0: Connecting life and faith. This is Connections.
1: Welcome to Connections. I'm Colleen Hood with Mike Tom. Today's guest is from the first ever multi-season television show about the life of Jesus. We're joined by Justin Overlander. He is the associate producer of The Chosen. Today on Connections, he's gonna share what it was like to work on one of the most successful crowdsourcing projects in history. He's gonna tell us a little bit more about about The Chosen, and he's also going to share with us his own story and how he came to be involved with The Chosen. We'll hear that and so much more today on Connections. We're joined today by Justin Overlander. He's the associate producer of The Chosen, the first multi-season television show of the life of Jesus.
0: Uh, So Justin, you you play an important role on the show, but you don't play a role on the show, as in you're not an actor. You're an associate producer. And I thought it's a perfect place to start for like just regular people like me and the people listening. What is an associate producer? We have no idea.
2: Well, I don't mean to disappoint you, but I actually do play a small role in episode six when I barge in on uh, <laughs> Quintus's office uh, between Matthew, the apostle, and Gaius, his escort, his Roman escort. So uh, I nice. do actually act a little bit too, but uh, as an associate producer, that title can mean so many things in uh, so many different productions. But for the chosen specifically, it just means I have fingerprints on a handful of things and uh, Dallas tries to dust them off once in a while Dallas Jenkins our creator and director but uh, I keep putting them back I don't know Uh, (laughs) originally I just actually started helping out with social media outreach you know kind of built up our Instagram page and uh, worked on Facebook YouTube and we've got a, a, a YouTube guru uh, named Daryl Eves, who is just a, a genius when it comes to uh, the YouTube world. And so he really built up that audience, and I assisted with that. But uh, a lot of social media things, I mean, that's the kind of the way. That a low-budget production reaches its audience is through word of mouth and social media. We can't buy a Super Bowl commercial, so we got to have these, uh, you know, um, low-budget campaigns that we can do and, and get people excited about it, so that they share it with their friends, and then you have that trickle-down effect. So nice. That's how I started, and then I ended up just uh, working closely with the actors, doing a lot of our behind-the-scenes interviews and uh, videos and, and stuff like that. So. I don't know. That's a long winded way of saying I, I do a bunch of things and I, I don't do everything. If, uh, well, I don't know if I <laughs> like Jack of all master of none. That might be a <laughs> nutshell, I
0: guess.
1: <laughs> now you mentioned a little bit about acting. How did you, um, first of all, get into this industry? And I know there's a little backstory behind you because this wasn't really the way you were headed. Tell us a little bit about that.
2: Well, when I realized I wasn't going to be in the NFL, because I stopped growing at 6 feet, 180 pounds. Well, I've surpassed the 180 pounds in my myself here.
1: But
2: <laughs> when I was younger, I, I legitimately, you know, you, you have these boyhood dreams. And I was a good athlete. I knew that I, you know, I, I had some college potential. And, uh, you know, you just always dream of stuff like that. But you get to a point where you realize, okay, that's not going to happen. And my second favorite thing to do besides catching a football was acting. I did school plays and uh, you I know, did a lot of stuff in my church and it just kind of bit me and didn't go away. And even when I went to college, I was going to actually major in theater for a spell, but uh, I was encouraged um, to have a fallback career. Than my dad. So I I, I actually took that to me, and he doesn't want me majoring in that. So I went to uh, uh, computer science, then I went to business, and both of those kicked my butt. And I decided, you know what? I I like sports. I can be a coach. Well, what's the best way to be a coach? I'll be a teacher. So I was going to be a teacher and and do basketball and football coaching uh, when school got out. Well, uh, even during all of that, even while I was teaching elementary school, I was acting in commercials and then teaching myself screenwriting and directing. And so In a small market like Minneapolis where I'm from, you kind of have to be a jack of all trades. And ideally you do grow into a master of one of them. I don't know that I ever did. And so LA kind of chewed me up and spit me out when I moved out there. But all of this, you know, I I mean, honestly, it it is a a God thing. I mean, God is is perfect in his timing, perfect in his plans. And I think that uh, there was just recognition that I wasn't mature enough to handle the success that I thought I was going to have by the time I was 25 or 30 years old. Huh. And, and now, you know, I'm 40 something and not saying that I'm mature enough to handle all of the, you know, temptations that come with a specific platform or, or, or whatnot, but uh, I'm a lot stronger and a lot uh,
0: more comfortable in my walk with the Lord. Now. And one of the, one of the great things about God is when you get to a certain point in life, you can look back and, like maybe it felt like you were spinning and not getting traction and things, but now you see how all those things built to exactly where God has you right now in this season, right? Oh,
2: 100%, Mike. And it's funny because if I, as my 40-something self, went and said that to my 25-year-old self, my 25-year-old self might punch me in the face. You know? <laughs> exactly. <Yeah>. Same. <laughs> the, the tricky, you know, And the tricky thing is, once you get to that point, your instinct is to tell everybody that's back in that earlier stage you know what it's going to work out you just got to have patience you got to have faith all of this is all part of God's plan nobody wants to hear that when they're going through it so right if if somebody somewhere along the way can figure out the secret to explaining to people going through the valleys that the, the the mountain actually is there you know you're going to get to that mountain at some point if you have faith and uh, it, it just, boy, we just don't want to hear that when we're in the Valley, do we?
0: <laughs> no, exactly. Right. Uh, you mentioned starting with The Chosen kind of simply just social media and stuff like that. And from there, it just built to you into this role as associate producer.
2: Well, and again, it's, it's God, you know, I, in, in all of my heart, don't get me wrong. I work really, really hard. <laughs> I yeah. Mean, Twenty plus years of just scratching and clawing, trying to break into this industry, and you know flying to l a and trying to make connections out there and and moving out there, actually uprooting my family, my wife and three kids, taking the grandkids away from grandma and grandpa and Nana and papa to go on uh, a four hour you know it, it takes four hours to fly from where I live to Mania- to uh, Los Angeles and so um, to do that to the grandparents was a pretty significant thing. And I I don't know that I was appreciated for doing that, but it was something that I felt called and led to do. And I was at a, a, a late age in life and it was mostly for the acting side of things. But, you know, Steve Jobs has one of my favorite quotes that he says, you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. And so looking at us living out in Los Angeles and the connections I was able to make out there, even though we blew through all of our savings, and even though we came back tailed between our legs, I felt like a, a, a big time failure. I came back depressed and uh. wanting to leave the industry altogether. And uh God had different plans. You know, it's just it's so it's so interesting. And and I you know, I could get into the whole story, but I think it would bore most people because it's more special to me than it is to anybody else. But just the the Cliff's notes version is I thought I was done, God had a different idea. Love it.
1: Tell us a little bit then about how you connected with Dallas and eventually became a part of The Chosen.
2: Well, and that's another one of those, you know, God things. I had met Dallas years ago at a really small uh, faith-based convention here in Minneapolis. And uh, it was small enough to the point where he actually came and and sat down and had lunch with me. And uh, we we connected right away. Like there there was just something that drew us together. Now we could take credit for it, you know, we recognize that we have similar sensibilities or or all this, or we could just say, you know what, God had a divine appointment there. And I think it was probably a combination of of both, to be honest with you. And we just stayed cordial after that. Um you know, we, we exchanged phone numbers. So we would text once in a while. It was never him texting me. It was always, I was always the one uh, reaching out. And then that's a, now it's so interesting. And then I don't say this in a boastful way at all, but now I'm kind of in that position where I do have a few people that reach out to me and, uh, you know, kind of have that, what can you do for me um, mentality. And I, I think I had that with Dallas even at the beginning, but I tried to not be annoying about it and uh, just, you know, it's this whole hand down. When you, when, when you go to somebody with your hand down and you want to drop something into their hand, like you're offering something, that's the way to approach relationships. And if I would have gone with my hand open and said, Hey, Dallas, what can you give me? What can you do for me right now? Like every month? I, I think the relationship would have died right then and there. But we stayed in contact and the, posting for uh, the need for just a part-time, really low on the totem pole type position. I was the first hire outside of Dallas and his original partners of The Chosen. And he kind of said, you know what, this isn't uh, going to fulfill you creatively. This isn't (laughs) uh, a a great uh, prestigious job. It could and probably will grow into something. But just know that these first several months are not going to be all that enjoyable. I said, I don't care. I love the project. I love Jesus. I think this has the potential to make a difference in the world. My literary manager at the time told me I was nuts. And uh, <laughs> it's not my literary manager anymore. <laughs> but it, it, it just really is, again, and, and it, it's not, it never was, honestly, about the money. You know, there, there's this uh, misperception that a lot of people want to get into Hollywood because, you know, that's where the gold is. You know, you become a famous actor, a famous director, a famous producer, all that stuff. I mean, the fame, the fortune, you know, you got your beach house in Malibu. You've got your vacation home in the Rockies. That's never been a a lure for me, a draw for me. I, I would love to be financially independent and not have to worry about finances. But my goodness, I just wanted to be doing what I love and what I feel like God called me to do. And that is tell stories and then in between the stories, just love on people and remind them that Jesus loves them where they're at, no matter where they're at, and that he will find them and meet them and is willing to hug them no matter how low
0: down they feel in their life. So did that, in your original pursuit then of acting in the film industry, did that always include necessarily faith-based films? Was that... No, absolutely not. As, as a matter of fact,
2: I mean, I've I've been a lifelong Christian. I don't have a, a great coming to God moment or anything like that. I, I, my, you know, my missteps have just been out of selfish desires and selfish thoughts and depression and and things like that. But otherwise, I have never denounced faith or or you know, strayed from the word or anything like that. But I always thought I would be kind of this uh, sheep in wolves' clothing. You know, I'd go and I'd be in the cellular world. I'd be communicating with atheists and and uh, you know people that just don't buy into this at all. And I wouldn't be spouting scripture to them. I would just be polite, nice. Uh, Once in a while, I would maybe talk about this Jesus guy. But more than anything, I would just be please. And thank you. And hold the door. And how can I help you? And I tell you what, I honestly got in trouble a lot of times on sets that I would be on as an actor, because I would always want to help the crew move stuff. And like one time in specifically, I I got on the other end of a table and I'm helping a, a PA move a table across the floor. And the first AD came over and said, dude, don't. I so said, what? I'm just trying to help. No, liability, man. We can't have you do that.
0: Breaking <laughs> union rules.
2: <and> <laughs> <laughs> right? It was, it was a, an
0: eye-opening experience for me. <laughs> I love that. Uh, and now you're part of one of the biggest faith-based productions ever. Uh, did you guys, when you first got involved with this project, like what were their expectations and what were your expectations? Did you think it would blow up the way it has?
2: And I I don't know, expectations is kind of a dirty word in my mind, I think, because as soon as we're expecting something, God will turn it around and do something else, either way better than what we were expecting, or at the moment, way worse than what we were expecting, only because we needed to learn a lesson during that. And so I, I honestly don't know what the expectations were with The Chosen for me. I mean, I saw it as again, a witnessing tool, first and foremost, something that can hopefully, you know, get more Jesus into the world because the world needs more Jesus. But also as a stepping stone for my career, honestly. I mean, it is, I, I was still an outsider. I still consider myself an outsider for the most part. Um, trying to scratch my way into the inner circle. And it's a circle that doesn't want outsiders. It's, uh, it's really difficult to break into this industry. Really, really difficult. And so uh, being associated with this project, I thought, well, you know what, even if it doesn't work out, even if I don't um, grow in my role in The Chosen, at least I've got that credit now to put on my resume. Mm
0: -hmm. And at
2: least I had a little something to do with launching it so that if it does go on to do something, I can look back fondly and say, yeah, you know what, hearts are turning to Jesus. And I had a little part to play in that. And I'm still at that point, to be honest with you. I am just trying to be as obedient and, and uh, accepting of whatever God has planned for me through all of this. And that sounds so uh, hyperbolic. It, it really sounds like I'm manufacturing that. but Not I'm, to me. <laughs> I'm, no, I'm, I mean, I'm being absolutely sincere and just acknowledging that I... Nothing that I have is guaranteed. Everything is on loan from God. My my family, my house, my money, my ability to go back and forth from set and and to connect with these actors, to be great friends with, you know, Jonathan who plays Jesus, Shahar who plays Simon. I mean, Paris, Liz, George, Jordan. I mean, all of these people are just wonderful friends of mine. And I feel so blessed to have this second family, so to say. And even if God takes it all away from me, today. I'm still thankful that I had this opportunity and that The Chosen has turned some hearts back to Jesus.
1: As you said, you, you had this amazing opportunity to help launch what ended up being one of the most successful uh, crowdsourcing projects in history. What's been the most memorable or the one part of all of this that really just sticks out for you?
2: Well, my most memorable day on set was when we were filming the the dance at Cana, the wedding at Cana. The dance scene was the, the final scene that we shot for season one. And it was an overnight shoot. Our call time was, what, 5.30, 6 p.m. or something like that. So we're shooting as the sun goes down. The dance that you see in episode five, and for those that aren't familiar with The Chosen, I mean, I should probably mention really quickly, it's the first season is free, uh, the Chosen.TV, you can go there, find everything you need, or just go to your App Store or Google Play and search The Chosen, download our app, you can stream it to your Roku, your Fire, your Apple TV, all those things. It's uh, really the first show that's ever done something like that. But um, episode five, not to give any spoilers away, but uh, in the Bible, Jesus turns water into wine.
0: Oh, man. And, yeah, I know, I know, right? <laughs> and this,
2: this, we show that in episode five of The Chosen, but leading into it, of course, it is the actual big celebration of this wedding. Yeah. And uh three thirty, four o'clock in the morning, I'm standing off to the side. I've got my computer. Uh, I got a a loudspeaker from our sound guy, and I've got it plugged in. And I downloaded this uh, super Jewish-sounding song from Amazon Music. And, you know, it's, you know, our our first AD, Adam Drake, is is calling out – okay, playback. And so I hit play. And then I call out to everybody, five, six, seven, eight, dance. And then they just start (laughs) dancing. And it's just this joyous experience. And I've got this little selfie video that I did of myself that we put out in a behind the scenes video that I think is even on our special edition DVD that we released a couple months ago. But uh, it was just, I don't know, the energy that day. And Dallas and I have talked about it too. And he, he said that's one of his most memorable experiences on a film set ever and his career is a little more uh, advanced than mine so when I say it's one of the most uh, amazing experiences I've had on set it pales in comparison to him saying that but uh, just to be there at four in the morning and to have everybody so happy and so excited and so joyous and for me to be the DJ at the wedding <laughs> and playing this temporary music that then is you know uh, traded in for something that Dan Hasseltine and Matt Nelson composed for us. Um, it was just such a wonderful, wonderful experience. So that, Colleen, is my favorite, uh, experience on The Chosen. I love <laughs> I,
0: that. Put that on your IMDb <laughs> DJ at the wedding in can. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, absolutely. Well, and I, guys, I grew up in radio. My dad and his business partner started a radio station in a rural community in Minnesota. And so I was sp- actually queuing up. 30 seconds thirds and 45s when I was, you know, 13, 14, 15 years old. And I still to this day have dreams in the middle of the night (laughs) that I don't have anything queued up and it's dead air. (laughs) That
0: is a classic radio nightmare.
2: (laughs) I I still have it. I haven't been on air. I still have my FCC (laughs) license, but I haven't been on air in, you know, 25, you know, years but I still I, I still have those nightmares that I don't have anything queued up or that I've got the 33 and a third queued up at 45 speed. I know that's probably <laughs> before your guys' time. You're, you guys are a little younger than oh, I Oh,
0: that's now. my started in radio with records and cart machines, which are eight packs, Yeah. so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you, you know, not only you had that amazing night, too, in season one, uh, recently, you guys, you had Phil Wickham join you on set for uh, the upcoming new season, too.
2: Yeah. Phil is a a tremendous guy. I, I honestly didn't have a lot of one-to-one interaction with him, but I was in his presence and you could just tell that he's just a humble guy, uh, really loves the Lord. Uh, He and and Dallas clicked and uh, you know, not only Phil, but Mandisa was there. And I got to uh, talk with Mandisa a little bit. Uh, Matt Marr was not on set, but he did a, um, a, a song for our, Uh, Christmas special uh, for King and Country was was actually on set now they were there before we started filming in Utah so I didn't get to meet them but they finished up their little drummer boy uh, music video at the set that we were using in Utah. Ah cool. Uh, Yeah so Joel uh, Smallbone and uh, one of his brothers not Ben I I, anyway um, it doesn't matter and now I'm just name dropping but they're just super super guys and uh you know I love their music so it was just a thrill to meet them and uh goodness there were there were others too that now I'm I'm drawing a blank on but yeah our Christmas special was a a blast and I got to help with that just marginally but uh yeah when you bring up Phil Wickham it reminded me yeah yeah that's a cool (laughs) dude just a, a really good guy
1: now, you have an extremely strong faith, which we've heard over this entire interview, um, during the filming of this. Did it ever evoke emotion? In you? I know it can be hard on set. When you're on set, it's acting, it's, it's a little bit harder. But did that ever evoke emotion or after just watching it and being like, wow, wow, this is amazing? Yeah.
2: Oh, my goodness. All, I mean, again, it sounds hyperbolic to say this, to say all the time, and it's a stretch of the truth a little bit, but there are numerous moments where I was getting choked up on set. And I've, I've talked uh, other times about the, the very first week of filming, just watching Jonathan as Jesus interacting with the kids around the campfire, because that was the very first thing we shot was episode three of season one, and that's Jesus and the kids. But in uh, episodes five through eight, so episode seven is the exchange um, of Jesus and Nicodemus on the rooftop. And I remember just being there for the rehearsal of that scene. Like this, this is just the actors with the scripts in front of them. It's, it's Eric Avari as Nicodemus, Jonathan Rumi as, as Jesus, and its crew, I mean, there's, you know, 50 crew standing around. There's a green screen for crying out loud. This is indoors. This isn't actually out on a rooftop. It's all manufactured. It's all fake. And I am standing there watching these two actors crying because you, you get to these moments where you're like, is this how it really was? Could this have actually happened in mm. this way? And the end of that scene still wrecks me when I watch it. But I remember just even the rehearsal of those guys with with Akis, our cinematographer, walking around, putting his hands up, you know, looking like he's framing the shot. And and Adam Drake, our first AD, of course, Dallas Jenkins, our our creator and director, walking around. I mean, our VFX guys, you know, Chris June, our VFX uh, producer, And Will Nicholson, our VFX supervisor, I think they were both there walking around putting X's on the green screen because all of this, there's so much technical stuff behind this. But I got all of that. You know, I lost all of that. And and my I was just tunnel vision watching. And and they're not even in wardrobe yet. (laughs) (laughs) Jonathan in street clothes. Eric in street clothes. But I'm listening to these words and hearing their voices say it. And I am literally standing at the side watching and starting to cry. So that's cool.
0: yeah, there, there are many moments like that on set. Um, you mentioned we can stream season free for one, get in the app or a multitude of places. Season two is like right around the corner. Is it not? Do we have final details on that yet?
2: It is right around the corner. And we literally just wrapped uh, yesterday, like, Yesterday, middle of the night, um, it was an overnight shoot, and that was the last scene of uh, season two. So now it's hardcore editing. I mean, our editor, John Quinn, has been working on cutting together footage for months. You know, basically since we provided him some footage, he's been cutting it together at Kappa Studios in Burbank. Great people there, too. Shout out to Kappa. I love (laughs) them. Um, But we're hoping... We're really, and it's, it's just around the corner. So forgive me if this isn't accurate, but we're hoping that we get episode one of season two released by Easter. Nice. Perfect. (laughs) That's the hope. That's still the goal. Um, But uh, you know, it's again, expectations, plans, all that stuff. God kind of laughs at that. He might have something else up his sleeve.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right.
1: (laughs) Again, if people want to learn more about you, learn more about the chosen. How can they go about doing that?
2: Yeah, I start with the Chosen. I mean, that's the, the, the bigger, um, thing that I want to push out there. And that's, uh, on Instagram, it's at the Chosen TV series, Facebook, Inside the Chosen. I mean, really just, uh, Google the Chosen and I think everything will show up. We're on Twitter We're on TikTok, YouTube, certainly. Um, and if you, if you're interested in, uh, following me, I, I tell jokes. I mean, that's my thing. I, I, when I'm on set, I try to do a pun of the day. And, <laughs> nice. It's lame. A lot of times, it's like, okay, I, I tried to come up with a great pun to use today, so I had ten puns, thinking one of them would be the winner. But no pun, I, and I already messed up that. I, it, and the punchline is, no pun in ten did. See, I already messed up. That. <laughs> I love doing stuff like that. So no. if, if, if that's your bag, if you like stuff like that, I mean, find Justin Overlander on Instagram. Uh, I'm the only Justin Overlander in the world, but you spell my name with an E instead of an I, so. <laughs> Google me. It's, that's me, for better or for worse. Uh, some, some, some things I'm proud of, some things I'm a little embarrassed of, but
0: that's uh, kind of the nature of life, right? I feel like we're very similar. <laughs> 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 right on. Thank you so much, Justin. We could talk to you forever, and uh, yeah, super excited to check out the new season of The Chosen. Oh, It's been great talking with you guys. Let's do it again sometime, okay?
1: Thank you so much for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll talk to you again on Connections.